Merry Christmas, everyone. Greetings for all of you who um, are out of town and you've come into Ohio and you're asking yourself, is it always gray like this? Yes, it is. (laughs) We have good doctors with good prescriptions for gray weather like this every day. Um, But we want to extend a warm welcome to each of you. If you are a first time guest or you've been here a couple of times, um, we want to say thank you for coming on behalf of our staff and our elders. We, we hope and our desire is this morning that you will feel, um, one, that this is a place where you can find rest, you can find hope, you can find joy, and that um, we will be accommodating to you. But most importantly, beyond your comfort, our deepest desire is that you will find rest and hope in Jesus. So whatever you came in this morning with, whatever problem, issue, baby mama drama, whatever it is, whatever, whatever's going on in your life, we want you to know um, that Jesus has the solution for it all. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're exempt from the problem. It just means you get through the problem and you get it with Jesus. So um, we're going to spend, just to set some expectations, the bathrooms are outside to my left, your right. Um, I will preach about 20 minutes, um, hopefully, and um, then we'll go on our way. There are babies and kids in the room. I'm well aware of that. So if they're squirming and fidgeting, we are fine with that. Um, Babies and kids fidgeting and making noise in the room is always a good reminder for us that God is the giver of life and that God has blessed us with gifts like babies and children. So if they scream bloody murder, that's okay. Um, Last service, we had a three-year-old beam down, run down the, the, the front, and I thought security guards were going to tackle her because she got <laughs> she got right to the stage and I'm like you're playing a dangerous game girl I mean <laughs> about to get knocked out so this is Akron okay <laughs> this ain't Stowe or Hudson or we in the hood <laughs> we are in the hood we are a hood church if you didn't know Anyway, sorry, I'm going off. I'm supposed to preach 20 minutes. I did it last, you believe it or not, I preached 20 minutes last service. You can tell, you can ask anybody in the last service I did, but now I'm just feeling it. I was in good behavior. I was being nice, shaking hands with everyone, and now I'm ready to, ready to break up. All right, open up your Bibles to John chapter three. If you don't have a Bible and you came to church today, you're like, oh, I didn't bring my Bible. That is okay. There is a Bible in the pew back in front of you. You can turn to page 887. 887. Um, and also, I think they have the, the Bible verse on the screen if you're one of those people who look at the print and are like, I can't see that, even with my glasses. Um, and and I, I think my goal for this morning, for, for 20 minutes, my, this is my goal. Um, we are often right now during the holiday season anxious about something, right? We're fearful about something. We got some issue going on in our life. And then on top of that, we have festivities. We have celebrations. I don't know if you guys are doing something tonight, tomorrow. The kids are really excited about the gifts. They're going to destroy some um, wrapping paper. They're going to they're gonna open up the toy, play, for, play with it for about a week, and then want a new one. And, and it's a great season, right? Like, I don't know what you guys do. You guys do ham, right, for Christmas? Who does ham? Ham? You guys do ham? We do pork. Puerto Ricans, we do pork. Anyway, so There's a lot of stuff going on. You're going to have a really good meal. But my goal this morning, one, is to reorient our hearts 
right? That means to help us think about, to help us remember while we're anxious and fearful about what's going on in our own life, while we're a little bit worried about how the plans are gonna work out with the gifts and the family, who's driving in, who's, who's coming at what time, how long they're going to stay, the dishes, like, is to reorient our hearts to see why we celebrate Christmas. And the reason why you and I celebrate Christmas, if you are a believer here, right, the reason why we celebrate Christmas is not to celebrate a baby in a manger. Though a baby is in a manger, but the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because we know what Christmas means for us. We know its purpose. And the ultimate goal, right, in Christmas is to point to the fact that God took on human flesh to dwell with us. Wasn't, wasn't a snowman. Wasn't a Christmas tree. Wasn't Charlie Brown. It was God putting on human flesh to dwell among us. Why? So that you and I can have new life. So Christians all over the world celebrate Christmas knowing what it means. And it means that God has dwelt with us and given us an opportunity. He has invited us to have a new life. And you're thinking, wait a minute, I, I, have, a, I have a life. No, no, I'm talking about a fruitful life. A, a, a life filled with joy, hope, love, and peace right now. And a life to come with Jesus. Seeing him face to face after you die, knowing that you're going to see him and be with him for all of eternity. That is the new life that Christmas offers us. So we're not going to read a Christmas story. We're going to read an interaction between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. So if you turn with me, John chapter 3, three verses, verses 1 through 3 on page 887 in the Pewback Bible in front of you. This is what... John says, he says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. Notice that John says he came by night. I wonder why. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs. He's talking about the miracles, all the miracles that he witnessed Jesus do in his ministry. And he says, no one can do these signs, these miracles that you do unless God is with him. Notice how Nicodemus doesn't ask a question and Jesus makes a statement. He responds to Nicodemus' statement and this is what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Christmas, right, is God's faithful reminder that he has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned me. He has not left us to our own sin. He has not left us to our own problems and situations. God has come to give us new life. And I love this interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus because the truth is all of us in this room in some form or fashion are like Nicodemus. 
in some way, we aspire to be like Nicodemus, and here's why. In the first verse, we see a couple of things that John points out about Nicodemus. What does John say Nicodemus is? He says he's a Pharisee. What does that mean? He was a religious leader. He knew right from wrong, or at least he should have known from right from wrong. He also says that he was a ruler, meaning that Nicodemus was a man of great power and influence. He was a scholar, meaning he knew the law. He knew it well. But we also see in this passage that John says that, Jesus, that Nicodemus called Jesus rabbi. Rabbi was a term meaning teacher, and you often use that term in the New Testament when it was, it was meant to be a, a title of honor. So Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes to Jesus seems to be a man with great respect for Jesus. He himself is a scholar. He himself is well-educated. He himself, right, is a ruler. He was part of the Sanhedrin council, meaning he reached the pinnacle of society as being a ruler over the Jews. Roman Empire controlled the area and they, they gave off control to proxies this government organization called the Sanhedrin and they ruled over the people of Israel. They were influential people. And, and John says, this, who, this is who Nicodemus is. Highly educated. Well positioned in society. Smart. Because he was a religious leader, he, he had good morals. And he approaches Jesus with great respect. Comes to him in the middle of the night, and I wonder if John is telling us that the, the travel in the middle of the night is just a picture to show us of Nicodemus's fallen and spiritual darkness. He was afraid to approach Jesus during the day knowing that there was much hostility between Jesus and the religious leaders. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Friends, family, many of us are like Nicodemus. Many of us have good education, well positioned in society, have good paying jobs, thriving in our lives. We, we consider ourselves to be good people, moral people. We're not criminals, we're not murderers. And yet, what we notice in this passage despite all the things that Nicodemus has accomplished, he needed Jesus. Despite all the things that he has received, he still needed Jesus. Because there was something in him, there was a stirring in his heart that allowed him to view Jesus. If you look at the rest of the chapter, you're gonna see that he observed Jesus in really special ways, that something was stirring in his heart to notice Jesus differently than any other scholar, any other preacher, any other teacher. He knew he needed to go to Jesus. Friends, you and I need Jesus. It's not good enough that we receive a good education. It's not good enough that you and I have made 
it well with our finances, have a good job. That's not good enough. We need Jesus. Nicodemus represents all the good people in the world who have accomplished great things and yet are not satisfied because he marvels at all of Jesus' work and says, something's different about you. And then I love Jesus' response. He doesn't even respond to the statement that Nicodemus makes. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you want to experience God's rule and reign. You want to experience all that God has for you for the life now and the life to come. The only way you can experience that true life, real life, is if you are born again. Is if you have new life. And this morning, the call for you this morning, the invitation for you this morning is to have new life if you don't have life. And I'm not talking about the life that the world offers. Genuine peace, genuine love, genuine hope. The life that Jesus offers you. Filled with problems, filled with situations, but a life with Jesus now and a life to come. And the reason why, two reasons why you and I need to hear these words. Two reasons why every one of us needs to remember that the real reason why we celebrate Christmas is what Jesus offers us, which is new life. And the first reason why we need to hear this is because you can't find new life in this world. The world has nothing to offer you. And if you're looking at the world now, it is in decay, moral decay. There's much fear, there's much anxiety in our world, there's hostility in our world. We can't even get along. Neighbors are fighting, political parties are fighting. Our government system has no clue what they're doing. We have no clue what we're doing. Like, it's a big sham. And we often think, right, that our hope, our peace, our love, our joy, everything that we need to thrive as an individual is going to come from someone else, some organization, some political party, some plan. And Jesus says, new life only comes if you know him. You can't know him if you're looking for the things of this world. And this is true for Nicodemus. If you think about it, right? Nicodemus lived, lived during a time where the Roman Empire was, was in control. They were oppressive. They brutally tortured and beat many Jews. They, they overtaxed the people. There wasn't freedom of speech. His own political power and influence wasn't good enough. New life does not come from the world or in the world. Secondly, you're not going to find new life on your own or within yourself. Right? Think about this. Nicodemus represents to us the good life, success, money, power, and influence, and that yet was not good enough 
for Nicodemus. It's almost as if Jesus is telling Nicodemus, hey, listen, your own goodness, your own righteousness, your own moral, your own ethic is not going to save you from your sin. It's not going to save you from death. Your self-righteousness is not going to get you to heaven. Your self-righteousness is not going to get you the life that you're looking for. Right? Because what did the Jews believe? The kingdom of God, right? The Messiah was going to come and overthrow the Roman government and, and, the, and the Jews were going to live in peace. They were going to live right, independently from the rest of the world so they can have their, their theocracy. They can live in harmony with each other and not worry about it. And, and that's what they believed and thought. They believed that if they were good people, good members of society, people who obeyed the law, that they were going to be saved. And Jesus is stripping that away. You are not going to find new life. You're not even going to find a good life if you're trying to find it in the world and you're trying to find it within yourself. I'm reminded of the story. How many of you read the book, um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? I think it's a different title. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Raise your hand if you read that growing up. Oh, two of you. Perfect. Great. <laughs> Apparently in the 9 o'clock, it was like, Everybody, but only three people here. So let's start from the beginning. Um, the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde um, is about Dr. Jekyll, and he has this serious problem. And this is the problem. Um, Dr. Jekyll has, has an evil side of him. And that evil side commits crimes all throughout London. Um, there's a name for this person. It's Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde is running rampant in the city of London. So Dr. Jekyll, to try to suppress, to try to kill off Mr. Hyde, the, the, the evilness inside of him, the sin inside of him, he creates this serum, he creates a potion, right? And in this potion, it's supposed to, spread, it's supposed to suppress Mr. Hyde. Here's the problem. It only lasts for a little bit. And then Dr. Jekyll realizes that the serum is no longer working because there's some ingredients that are missing. There was impurities that actually were helping him and, and now he can't find those impurities that were in the salt. So, so he finally realizes he's done. All the hard work of him trying to suppress, trying to kill off Mr. Hyde doesn't work and he realizes that Mr. Hyde is the one that actually wins. This is true for us. We often think that our good works is going to suppress the evil and sinful ways of our own life. We often think, right, that if we just do the right thing, say the right thing, that it's going to offset the sin in our lives, and that's not true. The only way that sin and death is conquered, the only way that your sin is put to death is if you are given new life by God, by you believing in Jesus. He is the only person that can transform your life. See, at the end of Dr. Duckle and Mr. Hyde, there's an interesting statement. Kana ends on a bad note. And this is where Dr. Jekyll says, he actually confesses, leaves the letter, and this is what he says at the very end. I bring the life of that unhappy Henry Jekyll to an end. That's so sad. 
but it is true. Sin and death is extremely powerful and will overcome you if you haven't been given new life. You can't conquer your own sin and you're not gonna defeat death. As much as our world is trying to, right? You often hear stories, people are trying to extend their life. They're trying to take all these medications and try to take all these supplements to extend their life. And the truth is, they can't. Because life is given by God. Life is taken by God. You want to have new life. You want to experience the rule and reign of Jesus in your life. The only thing you have to do is believe. Repent of your sin. Meaning you have to turn away. You have to say, I'm no longer going to be that person I used to be. I'm no longer going to be the person who's angry, bitter, self-righteous. I'm no longer going to be the person who struggles with pornography. I'm no longer going to be the person who's unfaithful to my family and my friends. I'm going to be the person that God originally wanted me to be. And the only way I can do that is if I confess, if I believe that Jesus says who he says he is and believe in what Jesus says he has done. The invitation for you this morning, I'm sure there's many people who are are just guests here. You come once or twice a year or you're out of town. You can have new life. The person you used to be, you don't have to be that person. And maybe you're a Christian in this room and you put your faith in Jesus, but you often find hope, joy, peace in the world. You often find joy, peace, hope in your possessions, in your goodness. And this is a reminder that the true meaning of Christmas, the thing we celebrate is the new life that God has given us. And you and I can have hope. You and I can have joy. Maybe that's not you, but maybe you're anxious about the future. You're anxious about our government, you're anxious about our community, you're anxious about your kids and your family. Maybe you're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about the world that your kids are going to inherit or your grandkids are going to inherit. You can have hope that God has given you life, that God offers new life, and that God is going to redeem the mess we made of this world. And we can have life with Jesus just like Nicodemus. Jesus extends an invitation. In fact, this is the famous chapter, John 3.16. Talks about how much God loves us. You can experience that today. Let's pray. I don't know what problems, issues, or things that you're struggling with. Maybe life is really good and, and you look back at this year and you think to yourself, man, life has been good. There haven't been any problems. That is a great opportunity for you to thank God. But maybe life has been rough and you need a second chance. Why don't you ask God, to change you, to make you more like him so you can look like him, talk like him, think like him. And maybe if you're a believer already and your affections have been stirred 
by other things other than God, this is a great opportunity for you to say, God, I'm sorry, and I thank you. God, we ask you, O Lord, that you would free us from the burden of trying to be good people. Free us from the burden of trying to suppress the sin in our lives. God, would you strip us away from trying to earn our way to heaven with our goodness. And God, that we would find rest and hope in knowing that you have conquered sin and death in our life and that the new life we live, we live it for you. God, as we celebrate Christmas, would you often and regularly, today and tomorrow, point us back to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We pray this in Christ's name, and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.